Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, Apple Spotify, where you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you the same. Today, we come we come with some energy, uh, not all from a great place. I'm from a pretty sad place, to be quite honest. Devastating blow in the NBA to the Denver Nuggets on Monday night. Jamal Murray, a favorite of this podcast, a favorite of our guest and co-host today, uh, went down with a torn ACL. We're going to get into that. We're also going to talk about how that affected the league at whole because the, the Nuggets, man, they were ripping and they were ready to rock. And the West looks a little bit different today than it did just two days ago. But first, let me bring in my guys, my guest today, co-host of the show tonight. He was on once before in NBA playoffs last year to talk about this very team. And that's why he's back today because you adopted this guy. I did. Chris Mangan, host of the 40 Under 40 podcast. Check that out everywhere you listen to podcasts. Also on Instagram, 40 Under 40 pod. Welcome to the show. I know you're a little upset, but welcome. Yeah, usually I would say happy to be here, but tonight it's tonight it's sad to be here, Pete. But thanks for having me on. Yeah, I know we're acting like uh, like he just got like you know career-ending injury. It's just a one-year thing, but it feels that big, right? Like I don't want to act like... He died or anything like that, obviously. But you know what I mean? Like, it does feel yeah. like a real blow to the league, to the fans, and to him. Like, a guy who grinds so hard all the time. He's a grinder. He's a gamer. Um, it, this season was was kind of that jump that people have been waiting for, that he that he put the, the groundwork for down in the in the bubble last year. And, you know, it's headed towards playoff time, which, you know, it's not quite Dame time, but but Murray time could have been coming back in the playoffs this year, and now you were – We've been robbed of that, and that as a, as a Murray fan, as a basketball fan, it, it hurts, man. Absolutely, it's it's really rough. And you know what's crazy? Like the Nuggets just hit their stride. If you think back to the Nuggets' full story arc of the season, or they seventeen and fifteen off the jump of the season, they weren't looking great. You know, Jokic was this uh, you know dark horse MVP candidate because his numbers were so sick, but the corresponding team success wasn't really there. Uh, just they were five hundred team. They were just average, and then all of a sudden. Murray starts going on one of these runs close to bubble Murray and the consistency is there. People wanted to talk like he was really slow out of the gates, which is partially true. He still ended up uh, so far career high and well, not so far. His season is over career high in points tied with his career high in assists right on his rebound uh, career high career high in field goal percentage, three point percentage right on his career numbers for, for free throw. So this guy was doing it again and he was getting better. And, and I think the saddest part for me is just watching him and Jokic go to work. It's crazy. And then even adding Aaron Gordon to the mix, you know, that, that was a, a dynamic offense, kind of like no other, truly running through a big. And not like Joel Embiid in the post, because he obviously, you know, offense runs through him. It's so unique what Murray and Jokic do. First, like, why why did this team, because you are a Knicks fan, you're a New York guy. Why did this team in the first place kind of grab you as a fan, other than the boatloads of money that you won last year, riding their <laughs> 3-1 comeback streak? <laughs> Yeah, it's outside of the wallet. It's just the uh, it's the onions, man. Like the, the the balls on the team, and particularly on Murray. Like they j- they just weren't afraid of the moment, and almost had the confidence. Like they they, they knew three one that they were going to win that series. Like they just like they went home. They like he wasn't he wasn't packing his bags. He's not ready to go home yet. Like just that that belief in in yourself and your team and your guys is just 
as a sports fan, like with your team out of it, that's something easy to fall in love for. Like it, it, it'd be a different story if they're Eastern Conference team, if they're competing with our Knicks. But, you know, out there in the West, it's it's easy to fall for that stuff, man. It's always funny when uh, you're a fan of, you know, one East or West or National League, American League, AFC, NFC, et cetera. You always kind of have to find that opposing league team that's your, that's your kind of go-to. For me, it used to be the Jazz. And now the more I look at Twitter... And the more I hear jazz fans about out and about, I, I like I'm like loathing the jazz and their love for Rudy Gobert's screens and how he's the MVP. It's like, all right, come on, you know. But but Jokic and Murray were such a likable duo, and Jokic too. Like what a what a crazy story. Second round pick, we all know, you know, chubby guy doing crazy stuff on the basketball court. Now he's in shape doing crazier stuff on the basketball court. Crazier um, stuff. So I want to bring in our other host today, uh, I didn't mean to leave you out, but I wanted to get that conversation started. So we have Mike Bonfield back again, second Subway Sports Talk appearance in a row. He'll be hanging around for a lot of episodes moving forward. So Mike, welcome to the mix. What are your thoughts on this Nuggets team in general and how'd you react to that injury? I know you were watching. Well, first, I just want to thank you for having me on again. I had a great time last week. Looking forward to the rest of this episode, more to come in the future. Uh, But to jump right in, I mean, I may not have won as much money um, on the playoff series last year or be <laughs> as big. I, I was actually really introduced to Jamal Murray's basketball prowess last year in the playoffs when he was bubble Murray and went on that run with the nuggets and coming over into this season, I was very excited to see what him and Jokic were going to do. You know, they upset the Clippers uh, in that, in that three, one deficit, they came back um, and they're young. So these are young guys. Uh, and Murray was was hot last year coming into the season. They they kind of started the season a little slow. I was actually a little disappointed with their first week or two of the season as a as a team as a whole. Um, but I mean, as we know, the Western Conference is loaded with talent um, from top to bottom, and it was it was breaking to see that last night. I actually caught the game and was watching live. And as a rising star, it's unfortunate for the city of at first, of course, most most unfortunate for him. Um, but I do believe that he'll he'll come back stronger than ever because he's that kind of player. He has been since his days as a Wildcat under Coach Cal. But it was it was heartbreaking, man. I like you. You know, you guys touched on it already. Denver, we have watched them elevate in the standings in the Western Conference as the season has gone on, and they were really starting to look like that team that beat the Clippers last year. It could give the Lakers a run for their money, depending on how healthy they're going to be too. And it just it almost felt like all the air got sucked out of the stadium last night when Murray went down with that injury. And we're all at home holding our hands on our head, jaw dropped, just hoping that he's all right. Um, But unfortunately the injury is what most of us feared and we're going to have to wait to see more from Murray next season. But in terms of Denver now, Jokic is playing unbelievable dark horse MVP candidate. Like you said, um, well, not dark horse anymore, he, but yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, he must be at the forefront. He's at the forefront of the conversation now. Yeah, now it's like um, minus 210. He's, he's ridiculous, what he's doing. And what my favorite thing about Jokic is you look at him, and I mean, if this guy was balling at LA Fitness, he might be the last pick. <laughs> but what he's able to do, he, he doesn't look like that guy. He's not the most athletic guy on the court. He's not constantly in the media, you know what I mean, attracting attention for things off the court. But he goes out, he plays his game, and he dominates. And that's something you don't see every day. So we'll see if he's able to uh, continue to propel them. But it's going to be tough in the West. It's going to be really tough sledding here in the West. It's, it's, 
it really affected their odds already. You know, I talked about the we talked about the, the profitability last year. They they went from plus eight hundred to win the West to like fifteen or sixteen hundred, depending on where you're shopping around these days. And their championship odds from about fifteen to to thirty to one now. Oh. Um, yeah, it's I mean it's it's an uphill climb to say the least for them now. Like, it's got to be otherworldly. Jokic like you know. 40, 15, and 8, 40, 15, and 10 a night, like in the playoffs, like you got to see some bonkers stuff out of him. And not that it's out of, out of bounds, but for just six weeks or whatever that the playoffs is, it's uh, kind of. It's asking for a lot. And there's a lot yes. of movement to happen still in this Western Conference. And uh, obviously when you talk about that, the Lakers come to mind. You know, they're worried about falling into the playing tournament. You know, I, I don't know if the Nuggets are going to be as worried about that now because they're not missing both of their stars. They're just missing one. They do have Michael Porter, who's at 17 points a game right now, and we can only imagine that going up. Um, Jokic is at 18 shots a game, 26 points a game. Can that shot total number go to 21, 22, or maybe his assist even rise because he'll just have the ball more? Um, I think Monte Morris becomes one of the favorite backup point guards in the league to now you better show you can do it with the starters as well because – yeah, I think as Nick, as the three of us, I, I always looked at Monty Morris like, God damn, I think he might be the best Knicks point guard in my life if he came over. <laughs> you know, and obviously I don't know if, I don't know if he's that good. Uh, but we'll see now if he can hang and, and recreate some of the stuff that Jamal Murray did. I know Zach Lowe did an emergency pod, which is not Zach Lowe's flavor. You know, you he's not a big emergency pod guy. He kind of does his schedule. But when I saw this morning or this afternoon when he posted uh, basically, you know, just about Jamal Murray and the Nuggets. Like I, he had, he felt like he had to do that episode. It was that important for the league. Like, Chris, who did? Uh, do you know if other teams' odds jumped? Like, did any other team stick out? If you looked at the odds, do you know off the top of your head? Uh, Sorry, I put you on the spot I, there, I, but I was just thinking I, about it. I don't. Um, I mean, if anything, I would say probably marginally. Like, it just, it's, right. it so affects them that it's, um, that that I think it just damage theirs pretty badly um i mean the suns are still plus 2400 to win the west at the at, at, to, to win the championship at, at, at the two seed they're still plus 1200 to win the west like wow i mean the disrespect on the suns is is well oh, we can get into that we can get into that because you're talking about the second place team there's a team above them i think who have worse odds than them at this point in time um but yeah to talk about jamal murray a little bit more before we move on to the bigger picture it felt extra strange for me that it was against the Warriors and Clay Thompson was on the sideline. This is a guy who did this back-to-back now. We haven't seen him play in a long time. And he's talked a little bit about how hard it's been to stay motivated, to get right, um, you know, all these things to fight these injuries. Now Jamal Murray has to go through that same process. And there's guys, you know, it almost feels like a disservice to anybody who gets hurt for a season. But this one in particular, yeah, I think they had five games and seven nights and Back to his bulldog mentality. If you were watching that game, they were down with a puncher's chance at best to come back and win. And he was diving on the floor. You know, the whole team, Michael Porter was still grinding, even though he shot terribly last night. Like Will Barton was getting after it. And that was what this team was becoming a true threat to the Western Conference. Um, and without their leader and point guard, it's going to be that much tougher that two man game they're going to miss with Nikola Jokic. So let, let's talk about the Suns then. And we'll talk about the Western Conference a little bit here. So, when you talk about the Western Conference playoffs, you have to mention, quote, if the Lakers are healthy, right? So, mm-hmm. let's have this conversation for a second. If the Lakers were healthy, we were just talking how the Nuggets 
were one of the favorites to knock them off, right? Now that the Nuggets aren't there, who's licking their chops? Is it the Suns? Is there another team other than them? You can feel free to take this to talk about the Suns, Chris. Like, where do they stand now from a confidence standpoint getting to the finals? I, st- I honestly still think, and I talked about the disrespect of the Suns, but I think I might just pile on more disrespect, to be honest with you. I think they might not make it out of the first round. Like, if you're looking at it Wait, right now. Wait, what? Yeah, bro. The disrespect, you're, you're, and then you're throwing it right back at him. Well, I, I didn't say it was unwarranted disrespect. I just said that, <laughs> the, that, that sports books were disrespecting them. That's fair. So that's fair. Here, here they are at the 2C, at the 38-15, right? But your prize for this could be Portland's at the 6th seed right now, Dallas in the 7th seed. God forbid the Lakers fell down there. Like, that's your reward for going through this gauntlet of a Western Conference and, like, your first-round matchup is that? Like, sheesh. That's some... That's some tough button right there. Yeah, that's absolutely brutal. And that's the Western Conference. It kind of has been for a while. The Clippers had the Mavericks last year and had to go up against Luka Doncic. (laughs) Can you imagine, though, if LeBron and AD aren't back for a playing game or they're just first back for a playing game? Is that, like, worrying you? Mike, if you're thinking about the playoffs right now, are you are you nervous that that's going to happen? I feel like I'm getting nervous. Like, I, I want them to be healthy so badly to just obviously to watch them and enjoy them as players, but to legitimize the playoffs again. I feel like it might feel empty without them. What what do you feel about that? The reason why I'm getting nervous if I'm a Lakers fan is because they're in the Western Conference. If you're in the Eastern Conference, it's almost just like, you know, we'll be fine um, as one of these teams because the top four teams in the conference are so overwhelmingly better than the rest. Um, But as long as the Lakers are healthy, and you know, this is a key, and I think it goes beyond just LeBron and AD. Of course, you know, that's the key. But in the Western Conference, in order to make a deep run in this year's playoffs, you need your full team. You need your starters. You need your bench. You need guys like Schroeder, Harrell. These guys got to be healthy, and these guys got to be ready to play because there is no letting up. Like we just mentioned, first-round matchups, if the Lakers, God forbid, fall to this eighth seed, Utah wins the extremely competitive conference and gets rewarded by facing LeBron and Anthony Davis. I mean, are, are the Lakers going to be favored to win the conference as the eight seed? I, we have not, never even thought of something like that before. And that could be a real possibility going into this year's playoffs, which is going to be interesting to see. That's buck wild. The answer is yes, by the way. So yeah. if, if AD and, and LeBron are playing, and and God forbid they're the eight seed. They're right now plus one seventy to win the West. They'll be favored to win the West. They'll be favored to win the series as an eight seed. Wild, that's that, nuts. Real possibility. Real possibility. And that just leads to more complaining by the Jazz fans. <laughs> Bro, you better be careful on those mentions, man. You better be real careful about Jazz fans on the dude, mentions. I, I, the only reason I bring it up, and you know, you guys might know this. I'm Mike. You probably don't know this, Chris. You might. I've always loved the Jazz. They've been one of my favorite teams. They've been my Western Conference team since like 04, 05. I've loved them. I love Darren Williams. Andre Karolinko was my guy back in the day. For what reason, I don't know. You know, I, I was a big fan of them. And uh, I all I said on Twitter was, I don't think Rudy Gobert is a true top five MVP candidate. And I had four people doing their entire uh, life's work of research to, to tell me why I was wrong. That he was a top five guy. So I'm a little bitter. I'm a little salty. That's fine. You're also not wrong. I'm not wrong. Why? How can you say, <laughs> how the hell can you say that a guy yeah, I agree. who 
A, you cannot run offense through, and I know what they're going to say because they said it to me. Yeah, well, he means so much to the offense because he does screens and he and he rebounds and he's, he's great, whatever, pick-and-roll guy. He, he runs to the, I get it. But without other guys around him, meanwhile, the entire Jazz team is shooting 90% from three-point. Like, oh, boy. Let's be honest here. Rudy Gobert is freaking awesome, but he's a little bit more Draymond Green, and he's not quite Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. And that's okay. He's a Hall of Famer. He's on a path to become a Hall of Famer. He's not an MVP candidate when you got guys like Luka, Dame Lillard, uh, James Harden, Nikola Jokic being the end-all be-all for their teams. The end-all be-all. Without them, there is no semblance of great offense. Meanwhile, they're great. I dress. Um, You talked about the Suns, though, Chris. I want to talk about them a little bit more specifically. What about them doesn't give you the confidence? Like, what specifically about their makeup, their style, their, their personnel makes you feel like the disrespect is warranted. So the, the outside of CP three and Jay Crowder, is there a lot of playoff experience on the team? Like not, not really. Right. Like there's, there's, there's not a lot of minutes there to point to that, that these guys have been in there and, and done it. Now, trust me as it'll go back to Kentucky stuff. Like if, if Booker went to the playoffs and went nuclear, like that'd be fun as hell to watch as a basketball fan. But it's so it's so hard to predict what people really do like the first time the lights are on and the lights are on as a two seed against maybe like a Luca or a Dame or a LeBron. Like you find out a lot fast about these people and I just I just don't know if they're about that life yet. And you know what I want to bring up too? I thought you might get there. You you talked about Booker. Chris Paul is an anomaly to me in this one regard. Now he's freaking awesome. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best point guards I've ever seen play basketball. He, to this point, or I should say at this point, gets a, a an easy pass on some of his playoff struggles. I feel like in L.A., when he was at the Clippers, it was a huge point. They couldn't get over the hump. Chris Paul couldn't get over the hump. They lost from 3-1 to the Rockets when James Harden led them uh, to, to a big comeback series win. And then he went to Houston, and they were there, and they were knocking at the door, and he got hurt. Can he hold up? He was he was the guy they had to move to get Russell Westbrook. And that was two years ago. And now Chris Paul still freaking awesome. And Russell Westbrook still gets triple doubles, but is not freaking awesome. So, yes, he's amazing. He's probably one of the best clutch players we have in the game in regular season. But why should I feel confident that he's going to lead his team to series victories when he hasn't won a lot of series? Like, he hasn't made a Western Conference Finals without James Harden. He hasn't gotten over the hump very often. Last year, they had a chance to beat Harden and Westbrook and the Rockets as OKC. And after being the best clutch team, the best fourth quarter team the entire season, they didn't get there. So why does he seem to get the pass? Or are you not giving him a pass? No, I agree he doesn't get the pass. Um, but like he, it seems like he does. Like people, I heard Rosillo, who I absolutely love, I think he says all right things 99% of the time. He's like, I trust Chris Paul with the ball at the end of a game more than anybody. It's like, I kind of agree, but he also hasn't won anything in the playoffs either. I trust him games 1-82. to 82. I, I don't trust him after that. I just I, I just don't. And you mentioned it but the last year. Like, he's become this great elder statesman, this great teammate. He's, I think he was great for, for SGA last year. Definitely much better than, than Russ would have been there. Like, Russ is 
Russ uh, for development of young young players. It's well documented. It's not not, <laughs> not the greatest teammate in the world, but he's the opposite. He has 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 been very good in that regard. He's he's helped these these young dogs develop, but he's he just doesn't have the juice left. Like maybe maybe a younger a younger CP3 at this point, I I might have faith in. But like with the track record, with all the miles on him, with the playoff injuries and how he can break down, like yeah, I just I don't have faith in him to carry that team over over the hump for one series, let alone three or four. Mike, when you think of Chris Paul, what's the, I mean, obviously he's on the Suns right now, but when you think of Chris Paul, where's your brain go first? Uh, so, oof, great question. First of all, I just want to say Chris Paul is my favorite point guard that I've ever watched play mm. basketball. So um, this is a great question. I'm curious I, where your head goes here then. Yeah, so my head is, my favorite NBA to watch was when I was growing up. And I feel like that's a very, you know, cliche. Everyone says that kind of thing. So my first thing is New Orleans Hornets. Mm. Um, wow. I, you know what? I, no. I asked thinking that you didn't have that in your bag. So I'm impressed. I'm giving you a ding. Wow. I got a ding. Let's go. Is that my first ding? <laughs> nah, you got one earlier in the show already. Yeah. You got, you got that oh, earlier. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to keep up these dings, but, um, yeah, I'm going to go New Orleans Hornets, where it's interesting because he didn't really have a team around him there. Um, and then he left there, did the whole Lob City thing, and couldn't get it done, like you guys said. I mean, they built up that team. Like, there was so much hype for those Clippers teams all those years, um, and they just never got it done. Like, it's not like once or tw- They never got it done. Um, and that doesn't necessarily all fall on Chris Paul. But as the star player of a franchise in a major market like Los Angeles, your star players are going to take the heat because that's how it works. So he leaves there, again, goes to Houston. We talked about this, doesn't get the job done, has plenty of star power around him, can't get the job done. So now here we are in Phoenix. And I agree with you guys in the sense that Chris Paul is really the only guy, star, the only star guy, with any kind of real playoff experience. I mean, Booker and Aiton, I think this is going to be a great opportunity for them to kind of get their reps in in the playoffs. But in this Western Conference, like we've been saying all night, which is loaded, it's going to be real tough, even as a a two or if they wind up as a three seed, to face a six or seven with Damon McCollum, with Luka and Chris Stapps, with LeBron and AD. I mean, the names keep getting better and better as you go on. So we'll see. I mean... Yeah, man. I, if Chris Paul was Hornets, Chris Paul on the Suns right now, things might be a little different. But the way it looks right now, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be real tough. Absolutely. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm a firm believer in New Orleans Hornets, Chris Paul, or just Hornets, Chris Paul in general. There was a year he was 22 and sneaky top three MVP vote guy. It was the year Kobe won 0809, and I go back to it all the time. And, you know, you hate to do this now when Kobe's gone, but there was a real, real argument that he should have been the MVP that season. That's how good he was at age 22, taking a team as the Hornets. Nobody thought was going to do everything, but David West and a sneaky page of Stojakovic into the top uh, couple seeds in the West, and he was unbelievable. Uh, but there is that question now. What do smaller guards accomplish as the leader, as the as the main guy? That's where I do think Devin Booker... You talked about onions before. I think he has them too, Chris. I think Devin Booker has the onions and he will show up in the playoffs. I just don't know if that's going to be enough when you're talking Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, whoever they may end up playing against in the, in the second 
second round maybe. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I, th I think he definitely does have the, have the onions. Um, but yeah, is is there enough firepower around him? Like, say he, he drops, you know, he goes Mitchell last year in the in the uh, Nugget series. Right. Do, does he have other people to help carry that that water with him? And I don't think the guys are there. You gotta love your boy Cam Johnson, though, right? Yeah, I do. Knocked down. He he really is turned into he went something. What? He turned into something. I got I got the whole thing. Wow, bro. That's crazy. That's so love, bro. It'll be forever a drop on this podcast because that Kobe White uh, statement is just, uh, you know, epic. It's legendary. They have guys. They have Darius Sarich who's been around. They have Jay Crowder who's been around. Are those needle movers? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. A team that we have to talk about now that I already talked smack about but is freaking awesome is the Utah Jazz. Now that, th that the Nuggets aren't there, and I think we, we saw last year when it comes down to it, Head-to-head, -head, the the Nuggets have what it takes to really mess with them. You know, Jokic can go at Gobert and be physical and do what he has to do. They have enough shooting around to make it too tough on them. Uh, so that was a tough matchup for the Jazz. But now that they're out of the way, where do you kind of place the Jazz as far as a playoff power rankings? You have them above the Suns? Do you have them right there? And I'm not talking head-to-head. -head. Like, I'm not saying if the Jazz play the Suns because I think that's a bad matchup for the Jazz. But in general power rankings where do you rank the jazz amongst the suns clippers lakers etc second behind the lakers oh yeah so that's pretty good i feel like that's good respect for them because a lot of podcasts i've heard and people talking on tv they don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt because we've seen elite regular season performances from teams like this before i do think they have a little extra juice what do, what do you see from them that that makes you put them there this shooting is unbelievable. So the, the balance is is one thing. The offense, they're second in offensive rating, fourth in defensive rating. So when you get to the playoffs, you you're gonna need to rely on, you know, one night's gonna be offense. You you hit twenty five threes in a game, and one night it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be dirty, and you need that defense to really carry you, and they can do that too. Um, how many different guys can hit threes? It's not just you need one guy to get hot. And they're, 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 none of them are, except for Mitchell, none of them are stars offensively. Mm. But Conley's rebirth this year has been really great to see. And, you know, Joe Ingles is sneaky tough and, like, a good playoff gamer. And, you know, uh, Bogdanovich, and it's just these guys can shoot. And if two or three of them get hot in the game, you're just out of the gym. Like, it's just over. Mike, have you heard the the chatter about Donovan Mitchell getting into ego battles a little bit? Have you heard of it? Or Chris, anyone who wants to jump into this, have you guys noticed? Because I, I noticed it um, when they played the Suns. Booker was going off. Chris Paul was doing his thing. And D. Mitch was like, all right, now I got to do my thing rather than what they do for most of the game, which is work together. Do you guys see that as an issue? Because it's a talking point that I've heard kind of pop up now more than ever that he wants to be the star a little bit too much. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I actually really haven't heard it being discussed as much, but hearing you explain it just now has given me some flashbacks to jazz games that I've watched this season and have picked up on that. Um, when the opposing stars start to play better and heat up and really do their thing, Mitchell feels like the need to be that guy when the key to their success all season long has been playing as a team because Mitchell, 
I would say in most fans' eyes is probably their quote-unquote best player or their star player. Um, but even he isn't in the MVP conversation, really. I mean, whether he should be or isn't is for their, you know, people to decide on their own, but he is not widely regarded as an MVP candidate, at least at this point, in my opinion, at least. Um, so I, I definitely have noticed that, and it, it could become an issue as we get to this, to this home stretch of the season and into the playoffs in this competitive Western Conference. It's very important. Being that star player, part of being that quote-unquote star player is understanding that your role as a star player sometimes isn't to do everything. Sometimes your role as a star player is to be there for your teammates, to hit the open guy, to take that shot, show your team that you have confidence in them, especially for some of these guys coming off the bench late in games. That's, that's what gets you wins in the playoffs. And I think that's what Mitchell needs to do. Yeah. I, I go ahead. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that chatter. So it's the same answer as Mike kind of had at the top, right? Like I hadn't really heard that chatter, but as you explain it, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. Mm. Like, it's it's definitely a, a, a fight he can get into. By the way, Mike, if you want to get the Mitchell MVP right now, he's plus ten thousand. A dollar get, a dollar gets you a hundred. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but if your biggest problem with a guy is that he, he wants it too bad, lights, he yeah. wants it. He wants to be the guy. Then, like, I point. want that guy. You need it, like, right? Like, yeah, you, you need, need him to have that. The playoffs, like, you need a guy who's going to step up, like. There are possessions where it's, it becomes isolation. It becomes clear out in the playoffs. It's not just the, the the pretty ball movement. I mean, like, Warriors aside, like, it gets down to iso ball a lot in the playoffs. And to have a guy who who wants that ball and can score in a number of ways goes a long way. Absolutely. And that song, yeah, I keep not, going. Not to, Go ahead. Not to, sorry. You're good. No, I was just going to say, not to get it twisted. I don't want, like, I do definitely think Donovan Mitchell is that guy, can be that guy, has shown that he can be that guy. Um, but I'm just saying that sometimes being that guy, it, it doesn't always mean that you have to put all the pressure on yourself. That, that's all, you know, I'm trying to say. And it, it is absolutely necessary to have someone. And I agree with you. Yeah. Like that wants the lights and you want that guy. I mean, as Knicks fans, we're trying to figure out who's going to be that guy. Yeah. I mean, it's been Randall this season, but we're still trying to figure out RJ lately has shown it. Um, but we can talk about that at a time. Um, but we'll yeah, get there. yeah, I just wanted to make that clear because Mitchell Mitchell absolutely is an all-star caliber player in this. He's a superstar caliber player in this league, and he's shown it. Yeah, 100%. And I keep going back to that Suns game just because it's their last big game that I watched, like, the entire thing. He made a shot for them late that was he, – he had no business even taking. It was a transition three where he didn't have numbers, uh, or he, I guess he kind of had numbers. I meant there wasn't, like, wide open space around him. There was defenders around him in transition – he pulled up, takes a shot. I'm like, oh my God, it's terrible. Bang, he makes it in. They go to overtime. So they, in a way, will go as far as he lifts them. He is not their floor raiser. That is Gobert. Gobert takes their floor from uh, eighth seed to clearly, a, maybe not by himself, a one seed, but he elevates them so much with that defense and that consistency on offense and the gravity he does uh, that he pulls in with the screens, with rolling to the basket, et cetera. He's their floor raiser. Donovan Mitchell is their ceiling raiser. I would say Bogdanovich and Mike Conley can also be ceiling raisers for them as well, where they can handle the ball. Bogdanovich can take over a game as well, but when it comes down to it and they need a bucket, they ain't throwing a pass to the high post to Rudy Gobert to see if he can get a dribble handoff. They're giving Mitchell the ball at the top of the key and saying, hey, this is your time to shine, and he will be ready 
for it. It's just sometimes you think, is he biting off too much uh, more than he can chew? I don't think he is per se. I just don't know if he's at the right level to really push them over the top yet. Real quick on the numbers front for the Utah Jazz. Listen to this. It's actually kind of hilarious. So Donovan Mitchell, just under nine threes a game, 38%. Royce O'Neal, four threes a game, 37%. Bogdanovich, six threes a game, 38 Mike Conley, seven threes a game, 41. Joe Ingles, five and a half threes a game, 49% yeah, from three. Four, you know who the real six man is in the league? It ain't Jordan Clarkson. Dude, the odds are tightening there, too. I know I keep going back to, to numbers no, here. We but like the odds. I've been, I've, been, I've been watching this, and Clarkson was like minus like 3,600 a couple weeks ago. He's minus 380. Ingles is now down to plus 600. Oh, wow. Oh, that's yeah, that's wow. a. That's some uh, some movement that I do like, Chris. I think I'm about Tightening. to fire up the old FanDuel while we're recording here uh, <laughs> and throw in a couple extra dollars. Yeah, um, buddy. Yeah, so they're, they're there, and I'm glad that you didn't put them lower. I heard some people put them behind the Suns. Well, this is when the Nuggets still had Murray. Behind the Nuggets, behind the Clippers, obviously behind the healthy Lakers. And I'm like, damn, to work that hard, to be that dominant, to be one of, statistically, the best teams we've had in a really long time to be put as like the fourth or fifth best team in your conference is brutal. I do think they land somewhere in between. They're too balanced. They're too fundamentally sound to like really knock them down like that far. I mean, they're plus nine and a half points per game. Like Now, if you're the jazz, are you more scared of a team like the Suns, where it seems like Chris Paul and Devin Booker could be the kryptonite who, who would have thought that the mid range game could be the kryptonite of the jazz. Are you more scared of the Suns, or are you more scared of like firepower like obviously the Nets, healthy Nets, or or uh, even like the Blazers or something like that. <laughs> the Nets are gonna make it out of the West. No, yeah, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> the st- stylistically, stylistically, that's true. I'm scared of getting in a firefight with the Blazers. Like, do you want to start shooting threes with with Dame and CJ? And if Rocco gets a game where he goes you know, six of six of eight again or something stupid like that, or Melo gets into a game and starts starts throwing up threes to the dome, like, yeah. you want to get in a firefight with them or 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 with the Mavs, like, yeah. Not particularly. Right. It's almost like they're so solid. They're so good at everything all season, but their absolute strength doesn't get highlighted in a seven-game series. It's like you saw it with the Nuggets last year. We, on this podcast, there was a, a, a snippet on our Instagram at Subway Sports Talk. Our guy Kyle Anderson was like, yo, the Jazz are going at Jokic every single time. He's like, every single time he's on the floor, they're running a pick and roll at his face, and it's working. And then that was 3-1. And then all of a sudden, the Nuggets are like, oh, no, we figured this out. We can do the same thing to you. And they did it tenfold and went <laughs> right through their soul. So I don't know I don't know what it's going to lead to. It'll be very interesting. I do think that Derek Favors' jazz ad this year, sneaky, could be important for them in the playoffs. How crazy would it be, end of a game, if Favors is on the floor and Gobert's not? Because of like... That's- a little bit more athleticism, a little more stretchy. I don't know. It's it's possible. It's possible. It's wild to me. Uh, real quick on the Clippers, because I do want to talk about the Knicks for a minute. The Clippers are like the, the redheaded stepchild of the NBA right now. We all have a terrible taste in our mouth from last year's playoffs. Terrible. And Paul George stays being weird and saying weird stuff and then playing really good and then playing really bad. Like, it's very strange. Kawhi is so quiet, he never moves the needle from a narrative standpoint. You know, Patrick Beverly's doing weird stuff as well. Marcus Morris is important to their rotation, yet they're still in the three seed. They had some really good wins lately. 
And no one wants to see Kawhi Leonard in a playoff game. Disrespect-wise, Chris, is it warranted or not? It's warranted, but I'm also, yeah, I mean, I'm bringing it. Like, I, I, outside of Kawhi, I think the whole team should get wildly disrespected. <laughs> you, you, you heard me in the in, in the rant my last time on here about playoff PU. Yeah. Like, he just, I, I can't do it with that guy. And he had, I think, 20 in the first quarter tonight, uh, finished with another 36. Like, he's been, I feel like he's been hot the past, like, week or so. Um, but he's a guy who says he, he says he wants the lights, but he's, they come on and all of a sudden he's in the corner. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, Rondo, it's weird to me that I think I Rondo, Rondo could be a difference maker for them. Like, seriously, oh. though. I know, Rondo is real. Like, it's it's yeah, such yeah. a real thing. It's crazy. It, it, he showed it in that first game or second game he played with them. He was hitting threes all of a sudden. There was one time, uh, I think it might have also been against the Suns because I'm pretty sure it was going against uh, Chris, Chris Paul. He got the ball like three, four seconds left at the left wing in the shot clock and just kind of like stood there. I was like, what's he doing? And he knew he was going to shoot with one second. I think everybody in the gym knew he was going to shoot with one second left. And he pulls from 30 feet and drains him. Like, Rondo, where where are you? Like, who are you? What are you doing all the other times when you're not playing basketball well? Apparently, he's just watching film and telling people how amazingly smart he is. Because that's all you hear. But it doesn't show up very often on the court. Uh, so, Mike, your confidence level in the Clippers, is it higher than the narrative? Is it lower? Right on par? So, I mean, the expectations were so high last year, and that playoff exit was so, dare I say, embarrassing. I mean, it was embarrassing. You're up 3-1 against a team that has so little playoff experience. And don't again, don't get me wrong. Nuggets, great team. Deserve to be in the playoffs. Clearly deserve to win that series, because they did. Um, but you, you have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, all these guys, Pat Bev, the trash-talking up a storm. I mean – for all this trash talking and how good Kawhi winning that chip with Toronto, Paul, we know the player Paul George can be. And it's, it's unfortunate because I find myself rooting for Paul George a lot. I have throughout his career, he suffered that scary injury in his career, came back, is where he is now. I mean, he's averaging 23 a game right now, second on the team, of course, behind Kawhi's 26. But I don't want to be this guy, but I've been saying it all season. I like the Clippers to surprise people in the playoffs this year because the expectations aren't as high people I feel like are going into this year's just like only thinking about last year's playoffs and not even really paying attention to the regular season as much because here we are back in the playoffs they had a great regular season last year and choked so they're just going to choke again and I like them to actually make a run I don't know if they're going to go to the finals because the west is so loaded and they might run into Anthony Davis and LeBron and the healthy Lakers team but I like the Clippers to make a run this year because they're still pissed about last year's playoff exit. Kawhi is that guy, man. Kawhi, Kawhi is that guy. And he can't do it alone, though. Paul George has to show up. Playoff PG's got to be there. And if he's not, they're going to have an earlier exit maybe this year than last year because the West is so good. So if all holds as is right now, 3-6 is Clippers Blazers. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, the drama, baby. <laughs> Bring it. And Paul George is going to walk into the Rose Garden or the Moda Center, whatever they call it now, and see Dame and piss his pants. <laughs> the nightmares of getting shot out the gym and waved goodbye to. 
Oh my so gosh. Long, au revoir. Uh, I, I can't imagine, like, talk about seeing ghosts. Like, that's going to be a bad one for him, I think. That'll be ugly. And you know what, though? And I'm, I don't root against Paul George at all. I am actively starting to root against Patrick Beverly. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this charade. Starting to. Well, I mean, I've been, but, like, now it's getting bad. Like, it's, it's just, like, you're not good enough to talk the game that you talk. It's like if I came on this podcast and constantly just ripped Colin Cowherd. Like, did you hear what Colin Cowherd said? And like me with my hundred listeners is out here saying, you know, Colin Cowherd's doing a shitty job on FS1 and his million podcast downloads. Like, it's um, it's just not right. Like, Pat Beverly shouldn't be allowed to talk smack to Dame Willard. I know it's his way of getting in his head and messing with his game and blah, blah, blah. Like, nah, you just get worked anyway. If you didn't run your mouth so much, Nobody would even look at you as that great of a defender. He's not that great of a defender. If he was, the Clippers might be a better team, and he's definitely not anything special uh, in regards to a facilitator. You know, like, that's why they brought in Rondo. That's why they brought in Luke Kennard. You know, my boy Luke Kennard, right, Chris? <laughs> that's an inside joke. We don't have to go there. Uh, um, I, I agree with everything you said about Beverly, though. Like, he's just, his his name is bigger than his performance these days, and honestly, for for a number of years. Uh, I think he's dirty. I I, I just I, I don't like how he plays since the you know, since he tried to injure Westbrook back in OKC. Mm. Um, the, the the what got him? He got thrown out of the game the other day for that. Yeah, for he hip checked Chris yeah. Paul in the middle of the and, court and then just and elevated the elbow yeah. as well on the way out. Like, so you just can't be pulling that shit right now. Like, it's just grow up. And and you know what? It even this is to bring it full circle because we're gonna move on to talk about the Knicks and and some New York sports here in a second. <sighs> To bring it full circle, like we just saw Jamal Murray non-contact get hurt. He's going to lose pretty much a season and a half the way it falls because he's going to miss this season and likely he'll miss almost the entire season next year, which is just abysmal. It's so sad. Like, it's just rough, right? If you play the way he did when he hip-checked and swung his elbow at Chris Paul, imagine you caused an injury like that, man. Like, Kelly Olynyk still hasn't gotten past the Kevin Love thing because he pulled on his arm a little bit, or a lot of bit, according to some, you know? Like, it's just, there's no room for that in the game anymore. And I, I love, I forget who was calling the game. Uh, Might have been Jim Jackson who was calling that game. And it was just like... I think it was. He's like, that's just not a basket. Like, that's not a basketball play. It's not at all. It, and there's there's room for hard fouls still. There is definitely room to, when somebody's going to the rim, to get up there and don't let him get an N1. Like, you got to kind of hack him a little bit. That was just not right, and that's not something I'm going to root for, ever. Um, on from the Clippers, last words on the Western Conference. Is there one team, and I'm going to put Portland in this category as well, even though they're sixth right now, from Portland, Dallas, Memphis, San Antonio, Golden State, or New Orleans with the ever-efficient Zion Williamson, is there one team you think has a, a run in them here uh, towards the end of the season, Chris? Portland. It is Portland. Yeah, I just I keep looking at them like earlier, you know, last week, the week before I was staring at I was staring at Denver and their price and I'm thinking about it and I'm hemming and hawing and I, I, I didn't pull the trigger on it. And I guess I guess not worked out. But well, I did. So Port- good for you. <laughs> Portland's that team. Portland is 32 to one to win the West right now. That's mind boggling. Give me give me the path quickly for them to get there. You know, what matchup do they need to maybe avoid? Obviously, Sands, LeBron, AD, Lakers. What's the matchup they need to avoid or what's the matchup they need to get maybe to get there? Is there something specific or you think they can kind of beat anyone? 
I, I love the Clippers them in round one. I just do. Like just pile, like I said, pile pile the disrespect on t- on top of them. Don't care. Um, if you can find a way to avoid the Lakers, like that, that's that's the path because they can get the Clippers, they can get the Suns, they can get the Jazz. Like the the looming problem of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which remains a significant problem when healthy. <laughs> it, is no, it. Like, that they can't play basketball right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a problem for the Lakers, but when they're healthy, they're a bigger problem for everyone else in the world. And th- that's that's the one to avoid. Like that's the landmine for them, I think. And I guess based off where they are, they would until the conference finals. If it ended today. Is that right? They would get as the six, they would get the two Correct. Seven. Two seven winner. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Mike, what what's your team down there from the Dallas, Memphis, San Antonio, Golden State, uh, New Orleans group? Well, if I'm allowed to say Portland, I would agree with Portland, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, just go because ahead. uh just because, I mean, I think Dame is 100% that guy, man. And um, I, I think right now, looking at the standings, Portland's at, got the sixth seed, if it were to end now. The Lakers are a game and a half ahead of them at the five. I mean, they're falling fast. With the more AD and LeBron continue to miss games, I think they're going to continue to fall, especially if they have to continue to play Western Conference teams for the rest most of the regular season. And then Denver is two and a half games ahead of them at the four spot. And their second best player just went down last night for the season. So Portland really could finish as a four seed if they can keep things going. Uh, I mean, they're six and four in their last 10, so about 500. But if they can really put the end of the season together, they can finish in the four spot and wind up hosting in the first round. Who they're going to play is still to be determined. But I do like them to be the team to make the run out of that bottom group in the Western Conference. It's interesting because I think Memphis and San Antonio – are clearly better than Golden State and New Orleans. But if you asked Portland if they get to a four seed, or if you asked Phoenix or Utah, who are you who are you taking in a one game or in a seven game series like Memphis, San Antonio, Golden State, or New Orleans? I think despite Golden State and New Orleans not being as good as teams, you're just not ever gonna want to choose them because of the star power of Steph Curry and Zion Williamson. So I'm gonna take this opportunity to talk about Zion Williamson. Have you guys just seen the ridiculous shooting nights that he's putting together. I mean, like 16 for 24 is like a normal night for him right now. That's insane. Like that is, that is legitimately like Shaquille O'Neal level efficiency inside the paint that he's producing in a variety of different ways. Like Shaq was just bullying you some good footwork and whatnot when he wanted to, but he was seven feet tall. Insane. Zion has the feet of, of a small man who is super quick he has the power of Charles Barkley. He has touch with both hands for some reason, even though it looks ugly almost every time he takes a floater or a, a finger roll. He's absolutely insane. Is there a path for them to splash into the playing game? And Stan Van Gundy just says, okay, it's time. Brandon Ingram, I want you to be really good. I love you, but our best opportunity is Zion. Point Zion, small forward Zion, center Zion, everything Zion. Is that is that possible this year, or are they still a year away from making that splash? They're a year away from a full splash, right? But they can make a, but a pencil dive. You could start to to yeah. skip some rocks here, <laughs> <laughs> and talk about you talked about all Zion's bag, right? Did you see the the baseline spin fadeaway last night? I did not actually. He he. 
look it up. I will it's, talk about all the all the shit he can do around the rim and in the paint and the footwork and the touch. If he even has a semblance of that kind of shit to it, like in the next couple of years, like he might score like thirty eight in a game, like a game for a season. Like it might just get stupid. It really, it, it's like it's one of the craziest things to watch in the NBA right now. I still think I rank Jokic and Steph as my one two, just based off legacy at this point. Not in any order. Maybe Steph Jokic for that matter of like people who make me literally move from my seat when they do something. Like Jokic will make some spinning around one footed fade away from the corner. And I'll just be like, Oh my God. Like I can't believe he made that in or he'll make a pass where I can see the whole court and he's in the middle of a game with seven footers around him and he's passing behind his head. Steph Curry. It's obvious. Zion Williamson might be the third guy right now in that category of Holy shit. How did you even get through that guy? How did you get past that guy? Cause he doesn't just go through people. He's around them. He's spinning around them. Mm-hmm. He has a he has a bag of tricks and his passing and decision making is awesome too. It's really a shame that they haven't put it together defensively like at all this year because they can be really fun. I, th- I think next year is the, the the real the real jump for them. I think Zion and, and Luca are three are, are three and three a for that that group you talked about. Mm. Like the Luca, the, the the over the head behind shit he's he's doing now and just the step back ridiculousness like those those. Head scratching, like what the moments are, uh, are many out of him as well. Absolutely. And, uh, all right. Well, I think we just covered a, a lot in the Western Conference, probably more than we even planned originally, but we're having fun out here on Subway Sports we Talk. Sure are. Chris Mangan with me, Mike Bonfield with me, Chris Mangan at Mangan Time on all the uh, social medias. He, uh, is not just a basketball guy. Don't, don't even remotely think that. I was always enamored with his ability to be well-versed in not just the major sports. You're well-versed in college sports. You got NBA in your bag, NFL in your bag, baseball in your bag. It's impressive. So follow him on Twitter. Also check out his podcast, 40 Under 40 Pod on Instagram, uh, 40 Under 40 on the iTunes and the, the Spotify's and the whatnots, right? You got yes, you got you. your cease and desist out of the way? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Hope, hopefully our legal troubles are, are behind us here. Do our, you guys talk about that? I'm sorry up. if I wasn't supposed to bring it up. No, we've we, we've mentioned it. Yeah, we uh, you know, we had a, a some logo some logo work that might not have been uh, you know, for far enough away from some other known brands, and we we had to stop some things. So we're we're we're, we're back rolling now. It's been probably like 25 episodes since any uh, any troubles. We're uh, we're on episode 38 coming up this week. Oh hell yeah! We're watching The Fan starring Robert De Niro, Wesley Snipes. Mm. Talk about talk about sports sports movies. A lot of sports movies under 40 and Rotten Tomatoes. It's a shame. I, yeah, well, yeah, probably because they're all not that great, but they're great in their own ways. Exactly. That's, and that's what, the point. That's what it's all about. And if you didn't catch it, I probably didn't even say that. 40 under 40 is nothing to do with age. Nothing to do with that. I'm, st- I'm still under 40, though. You are For under now. 40. For now. It may be your next age milestone, but it's not what the podcast is about. The podcast is about movies that have under a 40 rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but are still legendary, epic, hilarious, or great in their own right. It is more or less kind of... The well gist, said. or maybe yeah. really shitty and so shitty that it's great. We found a couple of those. We found a couple that I actually just think that just they're just, they're just <laughs> upon upon rewatching them. We just <laughs> the, when we try to litigate them, we're like these actually just aren't good movies anymore. Oh my god, that's good stuff. Uh, and Mike Bonfield here as well. We're gonna we're gonna finish up. Let's do like five minutes here on the Knicks. They're twenty eight and twenty seven right now. Every time that they look like they're gonna run out of steam, that the defensive intensity is not gonna keep getting them to wins or Julius Randle slows down, then RJ Barrett speeds up 
and the defense does remain pretty, pretty damn close to elite, and the effort is still really high. But the Celtics are getting better, the Heat are getting better, and they find themselves in the eight seed right now. Chris Mangan. What is your what's give me a vibe check on the New York Knicks right now? Are you pleased with the eight seed? Do you see them having a last jump to maybe get into the guaranteed playoff spot at six? I know the Hornets are now injured and you know they might regress a little bit. But give me a vibe check on your New York Knicks. I still think we can avoid the play in, and I think we need to. Um my vibe is still pretty high right now. After uh after a couple losses, um, like the, the Boston loss is pretty bad. Um, after a couple losses early last week, I was getting a little wounded. But then you rattle off the Memphis. The Memphis win was special, huge. Uh, I would, I would like to thank. Um, was it Ja who uh, called out our boy RJ? Uh, Anthony no, was, Edwards. Oh no, sorry, Anthony Edwards. Sorry, no, Ja. Ja, ja wound up getting it, <laughs> but it was mm. it was Anthony Edwards after the after the Timberwolves game. That was a loss. I meant, yeah, that was that was the real kicking the uh the huevos mm. uh and yeah they, the team answers the bell it's tough it cares it has that new york grinded out mentality and while i'd like to avoid a playoff game like do you want to get in the mix with us and score 85 points in a play-in game <laughs> like it's gonna go back to some 90s like oh my God. level stuff like you might see like an 85 78 playoff play-in game if if we get in that mix. I think that'll be the only thing that could make Tom Thibodeau happy. It, one of my favorite pastimes of the Knicks this year, in the rare occasion that they're actually up 15 going into the last couple minutes, and he's still furious on the sideline. Like, they can legit be up 125 to 100 with three minutes left, and he is flippant mad on the sideline. He's bugging out. And I love that about him. I love that about the team. Uh, but it does kind of go to show their style of play in the playoffs might actually like be the right style, right? We see all these uh, offenses who hit jumpers in the seat in the regular season, their three point shooting teams. All of a sudden you get a little cold and you're, you're running out of the gym. The Knicks seem like they don't rely on that as much. Right. So Mike, when you think about this team's style and this team's makeup, is that their only way to win? Like is the grit grind mentality funny? We're just talking Memphis. Is that their only way to win? Or do you think, RJ Barrett can go into the playoffs and maybe have a Jamal Murray type moment in the playoffs where now he's not just scoring 20 a game, but he's ripping off maybe a 35 pointer every once in a while. Uh, Excellent question. I I think the key, I think they find their greatest success in playing their game, which is the grit and grind. And I I really think it all starts with, in my opinion, probably the the greatest off season move I've seen the Knicks make in my life. And that was bringing in Tom Thibodeau. Um, to coach because he brings that he brings that every single night and that's why the Knicks find themselves with 28 wins right now when I believe the over under on the season was 21 or 22 and a half um, for their win total might have been um, might have been closer to 25 26 but yeah oh wow still over. Way, still over still way, still hit over, it overachieving um I think that RJ can be that guy and I feel a lot more confident saying that watching these past three games because he has been that guy. Um, he can be that guy. But I think the key for the Knicks in their wins are Randall's pretty consistent throughout the season, putting up all-star type numbers. Barrett's been more consistent lately, but it's those Alfred Payton games. Mm. It's the, the it, And it's not – it's always different guys. It's either Don't Payton say Alec goes Burks off, to me. Oh, 
he he has his game. He has, listen. I'm Wait. not. Don't get me wrong. These guys are not star players. These guys are not star players. But they have their game where they are considered. They can be the difference maker. They can be the difference maker. That one game, every five game, they have it. Um, and it's it could be Peyton. It could be Burks. Uh, IQ could yeah. be that. Not really yet. He's he's still, you know, trying to get his minutes up. Um, but but these guys can potentially be difference makers. And when they're playing alongside an all-star type Randall and a clutch RJ Barrett, who's, you know, shooting six of six from deep, they, they could be tough to beat with the tenacious defense in a playoff, especially if it's a, a one or a two game play in playoff game. Uh, I think that could pose some problems to those lower teams, in the Eastern conference. And just like a pain in the ass, right? Like no one wants to go play that style of ball. That sucks. Nobody wants to do that. No one wants to go get in the, in the dirt and, grind it out and wait can i ask you about your alec burf uh, alec, alec burf what alec burke's beef like what's uh what's that rooted in just lack of spectacular or thinking he's better than he is what is it it's thinking he's better than he is and it's just like i don't know like he's just not a a game closing point guard i just thought the way the rush is made up but it, he it might be their is. best chance though it, it is what it is but like he shouldn't be shooting two of the last three shots of a basketball game ever in his life. <laughs> the pass he made two games ago where he basically just like handed it to them. Yeah. Was, was really upsetting. It looked like Tony shaving points and blue chips. Um, it's, he just infuriates me. And part of it is just rooted in the fact that my friend said in the first week of the season, that if he keeps this up, we can get a first round pick for him deadline day. Oh God. And then, so it's, it's, it's partially irrational, partially rational, but he just doesn't float my boat, Alex Burks. Let's say that. You know what, though? I hear you. It's like you see him on the floor, and you're like, he shouldn't have to be this important. Like, this should be a luxury to have him on the bench. And, like, that technically is his role. But by the end of a lot of games, he has to be more than that. And it's probably not his fault that you have this opinion because he shouldn't earn – he shouldn't have this role of being a closer. But right now, when Randall's having a tough game or they're doubling him – and before R.J. Barron went nuclear a couple, a couple weeks ago and started really playing well, uh, he was kind of the best option, especially when Derrick Rose was out. Yeah, it's not at all his fault. It's, <laughs> it's directed at him, but it's, it's not at all his fault. It's, I like that you accept that. Yeah, it's entirely unfair to him, but I still feel these feelings. <laughs> you can't change how I feel. Um, give me give me a a ceiling. like a, I don't want to say best-case scenario. Give me 90% of RJ Barrett's best case scenario, Chris, like a comp for him. Um, or just like explanation of what he can be, you know, like where, you know, his, uh, is he an all-star? Does he flirt with I think all? He's, I think he's definitely a future all-star. Does he, all right, let me ask, let me just start ripping some questions to you. So you think he's a future all-star? Does he ever yes. make an all NBA team? Yes. Okay. Okay. It sounds like that means less than two. Or two or less, probably. Yeah, I think okay. his ceiling can get him there. If if he continues to develop how he how he had last year, how he has last year to this year, his ceiling becomes very high. He he very clearly puts in the work. He cares. The stuff the stuff he's gotten better at this year, defense, shooting, free throw shooting. You don't get better at those things like just because you got older or like you watch a little more film. Like yeah, film is definitely a big part of it. But like you work, you practice, you're in the gym, you're you're. You're holding your craft, and he's he's done that this year, and the, the growth is obvious. Now, 
I guess I'm getting off track here, but did you see the story about the old regime and R.J. Barrett? No, but I'm sure it stinks. Yeah, so I don't have the specifics. I kind of figured that you, one of you guys saw it. Mike, did you see it? No, I actually did not, know. Okay, so there was a story reported out. I don't even know who. It's probably shitty that I'm bringing it up without knowing the details here, but more or less, there was pushback on R.J. Barrett wanting to like really kind of change his mechanics and recreate his jump shot a bit and working with some outside people like Drew Hanlon. Uh, there was pushback in some of that regard uh, from the old regime where they kind of wanted to spearhead it themselves. And people were furious on Twitter today. Nick's film school, Jonathan Macri, that guy, if you're familiar with him, he had that uh, guy. Is he really? I had no idea. Yeah, I, man. I should yeah. re- I should really reach out to him probably. Right. We have yeah. some, we have some synergy, some things that we have in common podcast, New York sports, Nick's Damn right. Um, anyways, he had a, uh, a video out where he was like cursing and he's like, I am so frustrated with this story. I was like, damn, I didn't read the story yet. And I still haven't frankly, cause I, I kind of don't care. I don't know. Like it's got, it's, it's history. I'm not going to now go on Twitter and attack David Fisdale's character. I mean, he's got enough of that over the past year from Knicks fans. I'm not going to add to it. I'm just not that t- It's not, not the business that I'm in to, to get after people's character and stuff like that. Um, not that John the Macri was doing that. Let me be clear. He was not. Um, but I didn't know if you guys had takes there because clearly RJ Barrett wants to be great. It's probably his best attribute. It is. I mean, the desire yeah. to, sorry, God. No, no, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, I think not only does he want to be great, I think he wants to be in New York. I think he likes where he's at right now. I think he's where the team is at. Um, even though, you know, the goal isn't, you're not going to go into the season and say, Oh, let's try to be the eight seed. But he absolutely, we mentioned overachieving and, he has improved his game so much from what I've seen last year to what I've seen this year. And I think the most important thing to note is that he's done it in multiple aspects on both sides of the ball. His three point shooting has improved his free throw shooting, which was the, the uh, every time he would go to the line last year, I would get frustrated because I would just be like, this guy, such a good ball player has the potential to be so good. He's got it. And it's like you said, Chris, you got to go to the gym and you got to work on free throws. You got to put the time in. You can watch as much film as you want when it comes to shooting free throws, but you, you got to do it. You got to do it over and over and over again, and, and it's paid off already, and it's early on. He still has room for improvement. Um, but to to talk about what you were talking about, Pete, with this this story with the past regime, I agree with you. I think it's we're, we're past that. You know what I mean? We're trying to get over these losing seasons and these losing teams, and we finally have a team that is showing us a glimmer of hope in some aspect. And I think the, that we should leave the stuff in the past and let RJ continue to improve his game and do his thing the way he has been. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly. I I'm almost regretting bringing it up because I don't know any of the details. Like I, somebody tweeted at me today too, from one of my uh, Nick's tweets. And he was like, yo, what do you think about that story? And I was like, shoot, I don't really know, but whatever. Uh, so let's move on real quick. The Mets did just win swept the double header four Oh, in the second game, four, three in two extra times, innings in the first times. game. So let's use our last words, uh, more or less here, to talk about the Mets. Since we have three Mets fans on the podcast, I think that's the first time that that's ever happened. Uh, but to wrap up the Knicks, we know we know the story. They have to keep grinding. They can't take a game off. They have the Pelicans uh, when this podcast comes out on Wednesday, right? They play Wednesday, the Pelicans? Yeah, I think two out of the next three against the Pelicans. Right, so they have Pelicans, which by not one single mean is an easy game. They may not have a great record. But you can watch any of their games, even the ones they lost, and nothing about it was easy. If anything, maybe they shot themselves in the foot at the end and you got lucky because that's what tends to happen with the Pelicans right now. But that is every game is huge for them moving forward. 
If you slip up, you can catch yourself in a place you don't want to be uh, as the New York Knicks. But on to the Mets. They got to play two games today, which was amazing because it seems like they haven't been able to play any games this season because of rain out, first because of COVID, then a rain out that didn't even rain. It was kind of a mess. But getting to see this team play twice today, Chris, are you excited? Is the excitement a little bit back? Because I know the first week for me felt like a, just like all this ramp up and just a letdown. So how do you feel now? I feel better having them, having seen them twice in, in, in a day. Uh, it felt like extended spring training, having them, uh, you know, start, stop, start, stop, 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 start, start. Uh, it just was, it was very herky-jerky. Um, it's played, I think, havoc with, with the hitting in particular. Um, the pitching, the starting pitching has been very good. Um, that's still, I think, going to be how we, how we get there this year. It's DeGrom. I love Stroman this year. I really love what I've seen out of Taiwan Walker so far. Um, if you can get to July and throw Syndergaard back in there, like the bats will figure themselves out. Like Conforto's not going to hit 120 this year. Like, put 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 that on the headline. Michael Conforto will not hit 120 this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, the the hitting will get there. Lindor will not have uh, like a Beltran esque first uh, season here. Mm. Um, but if 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 the arms ride, then then we'll be fine, man. It felt great to have another Dom Smith home run. I feel like it was oh, really, man. it was really big for Pete Alonso to get that hit in extras in the eight, in the eighth inning, the extra inning, eighth inning with a guy on second. So Pre- pretty sick, right? Right. right. Uh, but no, it felt good to have have him get a big hit. I feel like he kind of needs that little bit of juice, that little bit of confidence that he had. He was almost naivete when he was a rookie. He came in mm-hmm. here just like I'm just going to hit a bunch of home runs. Obviously, look at me. That's what I do. And then down to earth a little bit last year. He needs that confidence boost. Um, Mike, is your is your vibe similar to Chris's on the Mets run right now? Yeah, yeah, my vibe is similar. It's it's so crazy. And I don't know if this is a Met fan thing. I don't know if it's a New York sports fan thing. But I feel like if you if we did this podcast yesterday, or not even yesterday because they didn't play yesterday, but after they had lost the game, I feel like myself and others included would be sitting here saying how, the not that the season's over, but how we're, so like distraught and we are picking apart so many different things that they did wrong. Um, and I guess that's part of the sport of baseball too, but I, I am definitely happy after what I saw today. I think that their two wins today were very different from each other. I think early on, they really had to grind. They had to come back late in the game because they gave up the run in the top of the eighth inning. And then they scored two in the bottom to win. Love seeing a win like that. It really rallies the guys. And I think that that momentum carried over into the second game because they were winning that game start to finish, 4 nothing shutout. Stroman pitched great. Love what I've seen from him so far. Walker pitched well today, too. Like what I've seen from him so far. We know what DeGrom is. I believe Peterson's on the hill tomorrow. Um, he was kind of shaky in his first start, uh, really that first inning in his first start. Uh, and then he was able to settle down and get things under control. But we'd love to see him pitch a good game tomorrow. I believe he's facing Wheeler, which as Met fans, we all know who huh. Zach Wheeler is. Um, so, uh, it should be a good one tomorrow. And I think it's a four game series they got against the Phillies. So we took the first two Phillies coming off of dropping two out of three to Atlanta. And that one game that they won, I'm sure you guys saw the controversial play at the plate to win the game, which I don't think he touched home plate, but that's just my opinion. Um, so yeah, Philly is kind of in a slide right now, dropped four out of their last five after losing both today to the Mets and we'll see what happens going forward. But I like where we're at. 
Yeah, it was so crappy because it just felt like we were behind. Behind the eight ball. Everything that went wrong in any of the Mets' first two series as far as on-field stuff just felt magnified because we weren't just losing one game. We're already, you know, three to four games behind in the total game standings for against any other team in the league, I guess, you know, besides Washington who really experienced the same thing they did because it was their fault. Uh, but now I'm pretty sure if this standings are updated here on my phone, they're technically first in the NL East right now at four and three. <laughs> That's correct. Let's go. How about that? Um, Chris, just uh, just because I never talked to you about baseball leading up to the season, what's your general take or outlook on the season here? Do you think they have a great chance to win the East here? Do you think the Braves are still the front runner? What's the what's the thoughts on their playoff and NL East championship, uh, you know, chances? I think the I think the Braves are the front runner for the for the East still. I think you know. Rick Flair still rules to be the man. You got to beat the man. Mm. Um, and and Atlanta just in general has been a house of horrors for us our entire lives. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they're the, they're the team to beat, but I think it's it's super super close. Um, so if you can get into those games with them and start to put your stamp on the in season series of the Braves, I think it will really help the teams. Like kind of like the first win today that that, that Mike was saying, it will it will build the confidence of the team that like that they're the team now. Like they're the, they're the captain now. I'm the captain. So, um, I gotta get that that sound for the board. Yeah. Um, so for, for for the East, that's it. I I I still think the playoffs are a very real and and pro- a probability at this point. Um, but man, just keep looking out west, and it's scary out there, man. Yeah, it's scary out west. And you know the bats haven't even really taken off yet. I think that's gotta feel good. You know, uh, Dom Smith, Conforto, Alonzo, Lindor sprinkle in some McNeil, those guys can all put out 30 Break. home runs. Like, they can all hit 30 home runs. And at this point, yeah. the power hasn't really been there for any of them. I mean, Dom Smith's probably the leader there uh, from a power standpoint. Uh, but they can all hit for – they can all rake. Like you said, they're just all freaking awesome hitters. And Nimmo, you know, gets on base every single time he gets up to the plate, it seems like. You know, he's sprinting down to first after a walk. So – this offense is just scratching the surface. I think that leads to excitement. I do I do get nightmares thinking about Ronald Acuna, though. I'm not going to lie. That I dude, do too. He can make you lose a lot of sleep. He's kind of like Andrew Jones and Chipper Jones built into one person. He's got, he's got all the tools out there in Atlanta, and he is just an absolute stud. I saw, um, I think he has 10 extra base hits in 10 games this year. He's just... He's just stupid raking. Ridiculous. And plus three steals Ridiculous. on top of that. He's hitting home runs and doubles and still stealing bags. The The ground out that he beat on that routine grounder to Didi Gregorius is still one of the more fascinating things I've seen this year. Blew my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he tagged up on that pop-up to second base against the Marlins to Chisholm. Tagged up from third and score. I mean, it was it took him it took Chisholm into center, but it was still, I mean, a pop-up to the second baseman that goes down recorded as a sack fly pop up to the second baseman, which is just, I mean, he's, he's that guy. He's willing to take those chances. Like he did not hesitate for a second on that tag and he scored. He's that guy for sure. That dude. I love, I love seeing guys with that talent level and that level of hustle combined. It's rare. You see it. And that's why he's truly one of the special ones that the combinations lethal man yeah you can't even really hate him as a Met fan you could no i'm just terrified yeah you're just terrified. Yeah. <laughs> and then i, I mean felt the on the other there. side i mean 
if it's not Atlanta, you got Washington and Soto. Yeah, I mean, he might be right there as one of the best young players in the league in in all of baseball. I mean, these guys are studs, like best of the best. And they're in their young 20s, young to mid 20s. It's scary. It is really, really scary. I think would Soto be the youngest person on this podcast if he was here right now? Like not to blow up your spot about your age or anything uh, like that. But. I believe I believe me and Soto were both born in '98, um, and I have an October birthday, so there's a good chance he'd be older than me. But I don't know, man. It it, it could be. Shout out October birthdays. Back, get back to you. Shout out October birthdays. That's what it's all about. Um, all right, that's I think that's all we got though today. Subway Sports Talk. I, I don't know if we have more that we have to cover. Obviously, we can talk for hours, and sometimes we do just that. But for now. It's a good place to end up. We talked a ton of hoops, Western Conference, you know, regroup after the Nuggets uh, injury with Jamal Murray. We didn't specifically talk about Michael Porter. I think I mentioned it in passing, so I just wanted to kind of clean it up and remind people to watch the hell out for more shots from that guy and more uh, opportunities to attack and maybe create a little more. Let's see what this guy has in his bag. He was a legitimate, legitimate number one pick option in that draft if he didn't get hurt. He probably was the guy. So keep an eye. There's a chance he can take a big boom here. Um, and Aaron Gordon's pretty young. You know, we'll see if he can do anything more than what he's been doing. It's pretty good returns from him uh, so far. But Subway Sports Talk, it's time for last words. Our guest, Chris Mangan, at Mangan Time on Twitter, Instagram, also at 40 under 40 pod on Instagram as well. And Twitter, I assume. And Twitter, yes, sir. 40 under that's, 40 where, that's where you can find all my Alec Burks hate. All the Alec Burks hate is there. Um, so Chris Mangan on the spot. Last words for Subway Sports Talk. What do you got? We'll go hockey quick. Oh. Rangers will make the playoffs. Is that a, is that a hot take? <laughs> I don't even know. It is. It is. They, 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 need, they need a lot of help. They're the trail on the Bruins, and uh, the Bruins have some games in hand. So it is – pretty much out on a limb here but uh it took the it took the team a while to get going um they've had a really strong past few weeks um the kids are coming together and my mouth to god's ears they sneak in the playoffs you know what that means i'm going on to my sportsbook app after this and i'm throwing five on it see what happens baby five into go. 20 we'll see we'll see who cares yeah. if i lose five i'm putting it on my, my boy chris mangan said it let's do it uh mike bonfield any last words? Your first last words. I don't think we did this last episode. Anything you want to add to uh, Subway Sports Talk listeners? Uh, yeah, for sure. So I have two two basketball points to bring us back to. But first, want to just touch on the Rangers. Huge win tonight. Uh, I Damn, you're ready to rock over here, Mike. Today. I didn't know you had all this in your bag. Come on, man. Come on. I know I'm new to this, but <laughs> I've been get, racking up the dings, man. I've been racking up the dings. Um, I would love to see them sneak into the playoffs. I don't know. Let's go. Keep it coming, man. Um. I don't know if this year is the year, uh, but when they are gelled and playing at their best, I mean, Panarin and Zibanejad are the keys to this team, um, but they're complemented by some other really good young players. Uh, they got four games in a row against the Devils. They won the first one tonight. These are important games to win. You got to beat up on the bad teams um, because pretty much the rest of their division, aside from Buffalo, are good teams. Um, but we'll see what happens with them. My two basketball points uh, first the Utah Jazz, something to keep an eye on. Uh, they are 24 and three at home this season. Um, and as a one seed hosting games, I know in the playoffs, it, and it's not full capacity, it might not make all the difference, but just something to keep an eye on because they, by at least five games in the loose, in the loss column, um, have the best home record in the Western Conference. 
And my other point is Jamal Murray, uh, something that Michael overlooked because of his amazing athleticism and scoring ability. He is the leading free throw shooter percentage wise on the Denver Nuggets, something that comes into play late in games in the playoffs. Um, and he is, he is their leading free throw shooter percentage wise. So that, that could, that could be detrimental for them going forward, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I just thought that that was uh, an overlooked point that yeah. should have some attention brought to it. End of game. He's rock solid and he, he can play defense too. Jamal Murray's no slouch on defense, uh, man. We're back we're bookending this podcast with sadness about Jamal Murray missing the rest of the season. It really, it really is sad. Um, he'll be back. Chris, I'm a little sad as well that we didn't have time to get some hot NFL draft takes out of you this year, or I think there might have to be an opportunity within the next two or so weeks to get you back on the pod and talk NFL draft. I see your eyebrows whirling over there that with excitement. Um, so I just want to say real quick to you is the Mac Jones thing a facade or is Kyle Shanahan really, really love this guy. That's all I want to ask you. I think it's real. You think they're taking him? Okay. Curi- I was just yeah. curious. I was just curious. All right. So for my last words, I'm saying NFL draft coming soon. Next week we'll be talking NFL draft and then probably every week leading up to, uh, and then after, which is soon. Oh my gosh. What's it? Two and a half weeks away. Three weeks yeah, away. Two and a half weeks, yeah. Holy hell. Someone order the Budweiser nips, Chris. Somebody get them. Somebody get the nips for the drinking <laughs> game. Over. I always take Chris's over on uh nips during the, during the NFL draft. Um, and then I also say that baseball will be back with Andrew and Alec some point this week. If not this week, definitely next week. NBA ramping up. We're getting closer and closer. It's exciting times in the world of sports. One last time for Chris Mang and for Mike Bomfield. I'm Pete Kennedy. This is Subway Sports Talk. Thank you all for listening. Cheers.